0: Welcome, welcome to the inaugural show, Secrets of the Sire. We are dishing on comics, movies, TV, music, pop culture at large. You can catch us on enormously amount, uh, enormous amount of different uh, streaming services. The number one is talkradio.nyc. The live call in number is 877-480-4120. I like to call this hour the fun hour. I know this is our first show, but it already has a nickname. That's what I like to call it because I want to just do, you know, all kinds of fun stuff that we want to be talking about. Uh, One of the things we're going to be talking about today is um, the Oscars So White, the diversity entertainment. I think it's a hot button issue. It's really kind of funny because, so a few weeks ago, I ended up watching uh, the Star Wars movie and um, even before that was um, the James Bond movie. And um, had a kind of a a weird experience there. Saw my first trailer for Star Wars. I was doing my best to avoid it as much as humanly possible. I really was. was. I was doing a complete media blackout. I was not watching anything Star Wars. I was not reading anything Star Wars. I wanted to go into it as fresh as humanly possible. Obviously, saw some photos. Can't avoid it. I mean, you can't avoid it. It's everywhere. But... Went into the James Bond movie, and there it was. It was the trailer. There, there's no amount of covering your eyes and ears that's going to keep me from actually watching it at the time. So I said, you know what, what the heck, I'm going to go ahead and uh, I'm going to go ahead and uh, I'm going to watch this uh, this trailer. So I did. And in the series of montages, Finn, the lead character, gets up, and all of a sudden I I have this this feeling come over. I say, he's holding the Jedi lightsaber and I said wow this guy is the main character and and it, it was it took me a second to kind of respond to it and and I thought it was great I thought it was really cool but it definitely it felt a little unfamiliar not in a bad way just different got me thinking though and got me thinking the rest of the night and I, I ended up watching the James Bond film this is a tradition my dad and I have been doing inadvertently It's a good little father son time as we go see different James Bond shows and the different, uh, sorry, the the different James Bond movies, starting with uh, Casino Royale in in 2006 and then, you know, uh, the the next one. And then we eventually, so we eventually got around to seeing Spectre. And I kept watching it and I kind of was policing the film in my head the entire time. I said, oh my gosh, you know, there's a, you know, white guy, James Bond running around. He's battling other white guys. The the uh, main character, uh, the main villain, um, the women were, were, you know, look, it's a James Bond film. It's, this is not something that I should be surprised at. But the thought of diversity actually took me out of the experience of enjoying the film. And I'm not saying it was a great film either. I actually think Casino Royale was like way, way better. I mean, it you know, no question about it, the first one, Quantum of Solace was, was, was better. I mean, they, they've progressively gotten worse, but that's a, that's a topic for another day. Um, but the whole time, I kept thinking in my, in my head about diversity and how it affects, you know, people's enjoyment. So, this was, a, again, in November. So, we're talking two months, and I thought, boy, what a, what a great topic for a radio show. But, unfortunately, there's really nothing current going on that I can talk about. And then, all of a sudden, we have the Oscars, So White. Debate that's going on, and and it said, "Well, this is they obviously did it for me. They knew that my show was going to be on, and uh, they knew that uh, you know I love debating. I love kind of getting into it. So, a couple things to know about me first. The first thing when it comes to these kind of topics and debating these kind of topics, the first don't don't sell me. I don't want to be sold. I want to buy. Okay, that's the first rule. It's the first rule of networking. If you guys, uh, for any entrepreneurs out there." You go to these networking groups, the one guy that's in the room, that's shoving his business card in your face, telling him how great he is, telling him whatever, I mean, he might have, or she, we're diverse here, he might have the greatest product, service, whatever you want to call it, but if he's trying to sell you on it, it you just naturally you get that feeling, you get that icky feeling, you say, I, I, I don't want to listen, no, no, you know, you might be great, that's great but if you come in and start kind of just being yourself being natural and 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 just letting it organically happen i'm going to want to buy and i think on this topic that's how i feel i want to buy i want that experience that i felt watching the star wars trailer i i was in and and the best part about the movie was at no point did i even really contemplate until after it was over that the female was the lead, the person of color, he's not an African American, everyone wants to say African American, but he's from Britain, you know, so he's not, uh, he's not African American, but the, uh, um, the person of color was the lead, and I believe Oscar Isaac is, is also of a minority, and, but you know what, it, it didn't beat me over the head it let me just enjoy the movie everything felt like star wars it felt like a star wars cha- you know movie star wars characters it was great and it was great and that's exactly that's what i want i want to buy all right so that's that's the first thing then the controversy with the oscars comes out and not a single person of color minority for the second straight year in a row has been nominated and my initial reaction when hearing about jada pinkett smith and the spikely non boycott that he's that he's asking about was, "Are you trying to sell to me, or are you asking me to buy and at the end of the day, I felt like you were trying to sell to me. I also felt like Jada Pinkett Smith was basically doing this to support her husband, um, which I you know obviously I would love it if my wife did that for me. Um, or maybe I wouldn't, I don't know. I mean, you know, I haven't gotten the Oscar nom yet. I haven't been in a movie yet. I guess I got to have to start, you know, baby steps before we get anywhere. Um, but I just overall felt you're trying to sell me and not, I'm not buying. And at the end of the day, that's that's the most important thing. So took a, a nice, um, did a nice blog article on it. You can go to secretsofthesire.com. You can check out the blog. We're doing the blog every Wednesday. And then we're going to follow it with, with the show on Friday. And the podcast um, version of the show will be launched on Mondays. And uh, I want to hear what you think. I really do. I want to hear what is your take on this. I want to hear do you feel that you're being sold to? Or are you looking to buy the idea of diversity in films? The other thing about me that... So I've been in the industry... Published comic books. I've had two off-Broadway plays produced. They were short film, uh, short plays produced. I hold writing. I hold the project with such purity that that is the most important thing to me. The experience of going to a movie or watching a movie. I want to be completely immersed in the characters. I want to be completely immersed in the story. To me, the only out-of-body experience I will. I will allow myself is to maybe critically analyze the writing style, critically analyze whether the characters are acting the way they're supposed to act or being the way they're supposed to act. Even that, I don't want to do it mid-film, mid-story, mid-book. I don't want to pick up the page. I don't want to do any of that. I want to enjoy it. I want to be immersed in it. Uh, and that, that to me, I think, is actually a sacred thing about being an artist, about being someone who's creative. Other creative people, they'll tell you the same thing. So, with the, to this whole controversy, oh, we got Engineer Sam wants to jump in here. Well, I just want to ask you on
1: the, on, the, um, on the idea of diversity, mm-hmm. and specifically with the Star Wars movie, because I also just recently saw it. Uh, I mean, you saw it in the trailer, and we were kind of prepared for it, but when Finn first takes off his helmet... And you see that that he's a person of color. Uh, I mean, especially having known that the stormtroopers were originally all clones and this and that. Like that's a little bit of a shock. So, do you think way. it was?
0: Do you think it was more of uh, was was it immediately um, a bad shock in the sense of the the red the PC red flag went off in your head? Yeah, not so much like a bad shock, but yeah, it was kind of a little bit are they
1: do you know did they just do this on purpose just to include more people and and
0: I'm not saying that's necessarily a bad thing but you question, have to say that it's like the Seinfeld episode you, you you gotta you know not that there's anything wrong with it you know you gotta no, say that no no but but
1: it's did they does the storyline suffer my question is by doing that does the storyline suffer does our view of stormtroopers now are they completely changed after six movies because of that mm. and and you know it was there some sacrifice made for this sake of of of
0: diversity yeah it's a great uh, question and it's one we're going to dive into especially in the second segment we got uh, people who commented on the blog feel exactly the same way you do um maybe not relative to that specific scene but in general does it suffer um, and that's that's really the question. And and that to me is is why I, I bring up that to me, the, the movie going experience, the film experience, it's so sacred to me. I don't want anything to ruin that. I don't want outside politics. I don't want a director telling me that he did it because he felt it needed to reflect the world outside. I get it. And it's awesome. And we should reflect the world outside and diversity should be uh, acknowledged and integrated but we don't need to do touchdown dances after it's done and saying, look at what I did. Look at what I did. Look how I was I was such a forthright director and I was such a forthright because then you're selling and you're selling your, your politics to us in the guise of a movie, even if you don't mean to, even if the director honestly was just answering the question honestly and look, J.J. Abrams had to do a million press junkets. He had to get into this topic. It was not, it's, not, it's not an easy thing to do. Um, you know, just seeing that, and, and in the in the convention experience, um, working in comic book conventions the last fifteen years, I mean, you see it. I've done panels, small, very, 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 very small panels. Um, you know, it can be overwhelming. Any little bit of, and we'll actually get into this. I love the uh, the the Daily News headline today uh, on the Daily News site where they they take the one sentence someone says and they blow it out, and it's clickbait, and it's what it is. I mean, um. You know, that's that's kind of the stuff that, you know, I get it. It's not easy to have to answer all these questions and they're going to take things out of context or whatever. But I think there are definitely a number of people that, you know, portray they, they like. Like I said, they like to do the touchdown dance and say, look at me. Uh, look at how look at how progressive I am. Look at how, you know, forthcoming. I." Am. It's things like that where now if I watch their movies in the back of my head and look, maybe this is just a me thing. I acknowledge that. It could be a me thing. It could be something that I have to deal with. I know it's in the back of my head. I hear it's in the back of my head. And then when I'm watching the movie, I can't help but be removed from the experience of the film. And that, to me, that's the question. you know. And that's where we want to go with this topic. So coming up, um, we're going to be diving deeper into the blog. We've got some great comments. I'd love to take a look and, and, uh, you know, Read them out loud and uh, hear what you guys think, too. You can call in at any point. And as soon as my trusty laptop tells me where it is, I can tell you. The call-in number is 877-4. I know it's a 4. See, it's coming. All right. 877-480-4120. Secrets of the Sire is brought to you by Innovative Network Solutions. Growing your business through technology. Hashtag VinTiaz. Um, we also have some friends that I want to give a shout out to, uh, the wonderful people at Comic Book Displays. Go check it out. They have awesome uh, comic book display frames, um, high quality stuff, so uh, check them out as well. These are friends of the show. We're very, very excited to uh, to have them uh, on our show as well. So coming up, we go deeper. Oscar so white. I read off some headlines. Steven Soderbergh, Will Smith all jumping in, and a certain 90-something-year-old, actress now she's not 90 something she's very old though um who also says it's reverse racism this oscar so white campaign so check us out you're listening to the talking alternative network And we are back. Thank you guys for jumping on. I'm on Periscope. Go to my Twitter feed at Michael, M-I-C-H-A-E-L, underscore Dolce, D-O-L-C-E. This is talkradio.nyc. Also talkingalternative.com. They both go to the same spot. Flip it on. You can listen in. The uh, call-in number, again, 877-480-4120. I really want to hear what you think on it, and then I'm going to read you some stuff, uh, some quotes from different actors. Um, We're, like I said, live Periscoping, so join us in. Um, Shoot me some comments through Periscope. I will gladly uh, voice them on air. Um, Love getting into the debate of this thing. So, um, yeah, that's you over there. All right, so had the blog come out a little nervous about it not going to lie i mean you know i so will smith is very funny right will smith i love will smith will smith is a guy that um you know if you've ever seen him in interviews he is just a likable guy and he needs to be liked you can tell like he just he wants to be liked he, he is he is you know we are identical actually he and i minus the 6-4 um, frame the riches the movie career and the successful music career i say successful because i had a very brief music career Um, we're, we're like twins. I mean, we're like twins, but you could tell he was uncomfortable with everything that his wife was doing, but at the same time, really supportive. Um, so anyway, um, I was nervous about the blog because I don't want to come off as unlikable. I don't want to come off as, um, you know, someone who is blind or in a bubble. I mean, it's, it's an honest reaction. I think honesty is, is, something that's sorely lacking. I think that, you know, I made the point earlier, Sam. Sam is my engineer, by the way. He is the uh, brains behind this operation. Um, and uh, he is um, a, a guiding hand behind the scenes as well, too. So one of the things that I was saying was with the, with the blog, I wanted to come across as, as honest. And I, when we were joking before, I joke about the Seinfeld episode, you know, That Seinfeld episode when they would talk about whether or not Jerry and George were gay, they had to preface every you know, or they had to end every sentence with. Not that there's anything wrong with it, because you know they wanted to make light of the humor behind it without appearing offensive. And appearing offensive is, I mean, it's 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 like, I I don't know, it's it's the worst thing you can possibly be these days, right? I mean, it's uh, to offend somebody, to be PC these days, or to not be PC. Be PC, bro um you know it's it's the worst thing you can be, uh, especially if you 're in a in a social media platform in a um, entertainment platform I mean you know look I have comic book projects i'm working on I have comic book projects I put out I have screenplays i 'm writing I have things that I want to do um, but I also want to talk honestly and to be able to do that um, without fear of coming across as offensive you know it's it's a balancing act so Anyway, we got the blog, secretsofthesire.com, and I talked about the James Bond experience. I talked about the Star Wars experience, and we had some really great comments on it. So, one of the ones I want to read is from Gay Gosser. As a white female, I live in a bubble similar to yours, Mike. However, I do remember the first time I saw a woman kicking ass in a movie. It was Angela Bassett in Strange Days. My body felt electrified, I could relate to the protagonist. Uh, women are in the majority. I crave diversity, so we lo- no longer notice it. I can't imagine what it would feel like to see this movie, to see movie after movie where none of the central characters resembled me. Hollywood needs to get s- its act together. Soon it won't. Soon it won't take away from my enjoyment. It will add to it. I agree with you a hundred percent. I think that hello from France. We got some- we got people from France coming, in. that's great. Gay, um, okay, I agree with you a hundred percent. I think it's it. it- the same way you kind of felt electrified seeing someone you do relate to. I actually had the reverse, but not in a bad way, seeing Finn pick up that lightsaber and realizing, like, holy crap, this is, you know, he's going to be the main guy here. And it's not something I'm used to, but it's its something I can, I can definitely welcome. But the one line I really, I, I love that you said, I crave diversity so we no longer notice it. It's easy to not notice it except for the fact that everyone, again, every director comments about how righteous they are and how great they are. And look, I'm generalizing, obviously. You know, this is a great thing. This is, oh, we need to really step it up. You know, the more and more I read things like that and the more and more I hear things like that, again, I'm going to continue noticing it. And I'm not just going to stop. I'm not going to stop noticing it until people stop talking about it afterwards. So Steven Soderbergh actually uh, jumped in on the hashtag Oscars so white controversy And uh, this is from the daily news And uh, this was actually a great First of all I love the daily news That's my paper it is I'll read the post I like the post too But daily news that's been my paper for a while So um, his comments Were actually really really interesting And he was actually pretty pretty Blunt about it and he said look what's happening People are talking about that instead of the movies And that was the first thing I said. I said exactly Exactly. How bad do you must feel? Leonardo DiCaprio made the mistake of being nominated in a year that he was white. I mean, what a terrible thing for him. This guy has been has been snubbed for so many years now. And he woke up and he looked at himself and he goes, oh, crap. I can't catch a break because he's probably going to win. And he's going to win in a year that might be the most hated year the Oscars has ever had. This guy can't catch a break. He's a tremendous actor, and again, look—he lives a very privileged lifestyle. He's very rich right now. I get it, I get it. But again, it's it's these uh, it's these little things that you just you know this is this is the offshoot, and this is just something that I notice. Um, Brian Cranston. Brian Cranston was Malcolm's dad for years. Malcolm in the Middle. Uh, forget this is you know Sam. Sam didn't realize this before breaking bad. You know, he was he was Malcolm's dad. He was actually also on Seinfeld. I mean he was an he was an actor trying to make it. And now he's finally made it. And again, he's up there and uh and the attention is is not going to be on him because Will Smith wasn't nominated, or Will you know, or or a person of color wasn't nominated. And again, it is a travesty, it is, but um there are other, you know, effects to that as well. Now, speaking of Will Smith, he actually went on, uh, I believe, Good Morning America, and he talked about it, and he, he loved it. He, again, he supported his wife for doing it. Um, you know, he came, he actually said, I was out of the country at the time. And when I came home, I, I asked, what happened? She was deeply passionate, and when she has moved, she has to go. Um, I heard her words, and I was knocked over. I was happy to be married to that woman. Um, there's a position we hold in the community, and if we're not part of the solution, we're part of the problem. Um. You know, the funny thing, they also asked, would she have made the video if he was nominated? Now, obviously, he would have been the only um, person of color nominated, and, she, and he said, no, she would have done it. I, I, I don't believe him, but, you know, that's neither here nor there. So, we're going back to the blog real quick again, you guys can tweet me at at Michael underscore Dolce um, with the hashtag Sire Speak. If you do that, I can definitely um, answer your tweets on air. Um, Go to the Facebook page, SecretsOfTheSire.com, and uh, you can also comment right on that page as well, if I did that right before we started this here. Um, On the blog, we had Alex Purcell. I guess my feeling is that the experience of film watching needs to be in keeping with the experience of the times. The whole idea is to create a believable alternative reality, correct? So I agree with you, Mike. If we are to exist in the place of the film, it, be, it better be representative of where we are culturally... Culturally? Yeah, I'm never going to get that right. So that we aren't distracted from the film itself. I guess the last thing we want as moviegoers is to be aware of our reactions of watching it. And Exactly. And that's that's where I'm coming from. It's not, again... I think the diversity is awesome. I think the diversity is is amazing. I think the fact that I watched the entire Star Wars film and didn't think about diversity uh, was a testament to how well it was done and how well it was handled. Of course, that also coincides with the fact that I did a media blackout prior to watching Star Wars. So I didn't read anything from J.J. Abrams, even though he's very, very secretive, even though he's very, very protective over his story. I didn't want even the slightest... I didn't even want to know characters' names. I didn't want to know anything. Um, by not knowing anything, diversity didn't even come into the equation. It was afterwards I started reading, um, I think he was quoted, actually I know he was quoted in, in Entertainment Weekly, I looked around and I, and I wanted to represent, you know, something to this extent. I want to represent the world that we live in. A- and now he had previously said in a different panel discussion, and again, I, I definitely give him some sympathy because to have to go around answer the same questions over and over again, can't be easy. It just can't. Um you know he basically was saying in another interview that he you know he didn't write these characters with color in mind he didn't write these characters and that's that's actually that's what I want to hear i i wish he would actually stay that way i think that's um that's really the message that i'm i'm hoping uh to get across here we have um Matt Beyer actually did, had a great, uh, a great comment, too, and, and this one was interesting because I was just talking about this with a friend of mine recently, and it's actually just something we were, we were touching upon, Sam and I were touching upon a little earlier uh, in the show. No, I don't think it's our job to mentally police films, but that doesn't mean I'm without opinions about diversity in films. I didn't really care that there was a black Dr. Doolittle or a black Nick Fury, but I think making a black James Bond would be like making a white John Shaft. I guess it all depends on why you do it. If Star Wars is looking to bring in a more diverse audience by introducing a black main character, no problem. It's not the first time. Um, Han Solo's best friend was another species, so a different color skin is hardly even noticeable. Um, If diversity is introduced purely for some strange sense of fairness or political correctness, I don't get it. Um, And that's absolutely dead on. And that's dead on. But the, the idea of a black James Bond, now that's... Very, very controversial right, right off the bat. I mean, Idris Elba, I think he would kill it. I think he would kill it. However, I don't think I'd get through half. I, I think I would prejudge the movie before I even set foot in the movie theater. Um, and that would be a mistake on my part, but it's what I would do. I, I would immediately, I had a conversation with a friend of mine uh, offline a few days ago and we were talking about the show and talking about all the cool things going on and, and I mentioned the diversity. I mentioned the James Bond and, and I said, what would you do if uh, if you had a, a black James Bond and he said, PC move. But
1: my question would be, why make a black James Bond? Why not make just a black character that's separate? You know, like um, yeah. uh, um, uh, Halle Berry's uh, character in one of the James Bond movies, mm-hmm. which they there was talk of that even spinning off into its own uh, line of movies that didn't happen. Love the happen, idea. But it's like, make a black secret agent. It doesn't have to be James Bond. James Bond is a British character. It came out of World War II. No, Idris
0: Elba's British. Yeah. <laughs> 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 hey, you know, it's it's true. I, the, the, you know, it's funny. We're, we're trying to dance around it a little bit, and that's a uh, that's not a bad thing. Um, you know, again, we're trying to not come off um, as arrogant. Obviously, look, you know, I'm white. Um, Sam's white. We're, we're, we... we, we we have a different perspective. I get. It. Yeah, I know. He looked. I know. I well, that's not true. I don't look in. I don't look at the world in terms of color. No, I, I see nothing. I see no color. Um, but you know, th- this is the this is the thing. I think white audiences want to embrace this just as much as minorities and and colors uh, people of color do. Um, but I also think that we don't want to be sold to. We want to buy. I want to buy. All right. Coming up next. Great interview. Um, I work for the uh, newspaper AM New York in New York City. I get to interview a lot of great musicians. And my next guest, although he's not physically here, um, is Chris Cornell from Soundgarden, um, one of the legendary um, alternative rockers in this day. So stay tuned if you're getting through all the uh, diversity talk and Oscar talk to get to the interview with Chris Cornell. You are in luck. We are coming up next.
2: 24 hours a day.
0: Song's called Command the Room. Uh, just a reminder, you can catch us on Facebook, Facebook.com slash Secrets of the Sire. And um, we are also on Twitter at Michael underscore Dolce, that is just my first name, underscore last name. Somebody once criticized the underscore as the worst thing ever, and I, I just I couldn't think of a better way to separate my name on Twitter. Uh, I guess I maybe I shouldn't have, who knows. But um, we're on Twitter as well. You can go to secretsofthesire.com. Uh, don't forget the live call number is 877-480-4120. I'm going to get to my Periscope people um, after this segment coming up, but um, as I kind of... Um, previewed we have a tr- tremendous interview um, with a, a an all-time legend he's one of my favorite musicians of all time and um, it was Chris Claremont and uh, sorry Chris Cornell sorry Chris Cl- Claremont is one of my favorite X-Men writers of all time uh, Chris Cornell um, got to interview him before his show at the Beacon which is actually just right around the corner here um, from where the radio station is and um, asked him a, a bunch of different things the first question that I I asked him was you know when Chris Cornell sets out to make a Chris Cornell record, it's going to be different. And um, I wanted him to really dive deep into higher truth and uh, and give us the background on how it felt to make a completely acoustic uh, songwriting album.
3: Well, the initial uh, writing slash recording was just songs and arrangements and moves in the direction of acoustic songs, really, um, and it, it, I worked sort of in, a, in that method in a concentrated way when I was writing songs for the Machine Gun and I wrote a few of them until I arrived at The Keeper, which is the song in the movie, which, though the film really released in like five theaters. The song got a come Glove ish It was pretty interesting to me. I didn't really see how anyone had ever heard it. Um, and uh, that, that was kind of, that, that was the, sort of the first period of sitting and kind of writing in that style, um, as getting ready to write the album. And the whole point of the album, to me, was uh, A, to finally kind of write an acoustic-based album, because since really since the beginning of Soundgarden, I was writing songs in that vein, and I had, I had written several songs that had that been filmed. There uh, were more along those lines, like Seasons, uh, which was in singles, and Sunshower, which was in Antarctica's Bad uh, Expectations, and actually in the consistent version of like, Suicides from Super Unknown in, in a movie. Uh, and so there were. It, it, all the songs I wrote for Temple of the Dog were also kind of in that world of singer-songwriter, and but written for a no particular destination. Um, I did write the song for Great Expectations, you know, specifically for it. But for the most part, um, these are songs written kind of uh, while I was not writing songs for Soundgarden to be released. You know, they were they, it, was, it was it was like it was a hobby in a way. And I just got a lot of really great reactions to it. And uh, when I played, I did a promo ago, you know, an hour of acoustic songs in Stockholm, uh, when I was doing international promo for the third Play Record. And that was the first time I realized that, oh, I could do like an hour of this, and people don't start talking after 20 minutes, like so they were just totally the most the whole hour. Um, <laughs> And I and I wasn't you know I don't think I played any sound songs or anything like that. I, I, all I did was was audio slave songs, and cover songs, uh, and a couple solo things. And and so you know I, it was something that I that I always wanted to do. So from that point I knew I would really do it. And then I started touring like that as a one man show, and that went around North America three times, went to Australia, New Zealand uh south america europe and every time it was very similarly received which was sold out of and this really amazing kind of audience participation where i didn't follow set lists and told stories without planning on anything there was no script of talking and yet there was a lot of talking it was just a totally different me really and uh, so i wanted to write this record to support that i wanted new songs To support this type of touring, I wanted to feel it in breathing thing, instead of just a spell just every time. Um, And so the writing process started um, about two and a half, three years ago.
0: Next question that I had for him, you know, and, and as a musician, I, I love interviewing musicians because I can, I can do it from an insider's perspective. I was a, a singer and a drummer in a band, so I was able to kind of channel that. And um, one of the questions I had for him, though, was playing songs no one's ever heard before. I mean, this is Chris Cornell. Um, you, go to a, you go to a solo show, so you, you do expect him to have to play stuff that he doesn't, you know, normally do. But does even someone like Chris Cornell get nervous playing something new?
3: You know, there's a song called Josephine that I started to write when I first met my wife, Vicky. Uh, She was my wife, she was a girlfriend at the time and I sang it to her with the phone and I just kind of typed the chorus part. I had her name instead of Josephine. And I I finished writing the song, this was years ago, and I think I recorded a version for Carry On, uh, my second solo album, which is 2006. And it just, I just didn't nail it. Well, was I, I didn't reach the heart of it at all. And so I didn't put it on the record. And when I was finishing writing songs for this album, I remembered that song and thought, you know, that I really want to, I really want to fix it and put it on the circuit. And instead of going back and listening to what I had, I didn't, I don't remember what all the lyrics were precisely, and I haven't, I have no memory of what key was in or what chord changes I did really. And I rewrote it and it really just kind of came out exactly the way I would always want it. Um, and so I did it in a sound check not long ago where no one could hear it because I didn't want to play any songs yet. It just felt like, uh, just, it felt like it lived in the world of what I do but was brand new was totally fresh. Uh, so I, I'm I'm very excited to play that song. I like the I like the life that some songs can take because they're all different. And we live in a sort of strange world of manufactured music where, um, you know, people make appointments to go songwriting. <laughs> That's always been a little strange to me, you know. Yeah. I think that like it sort of leaves out. Now I'm not saying that you can't do that, but it it will. It, it seems to sort of circumvent circumvent that that natural uh, inspiration moment that way. You get struck by lightning and you and you're in a room and you tell one have to shut up and then you run like a dictaphone or the memo section of your iPhone and you start whistling something into it. it to me, that always really exciting and I love yeah. being around musicians that do that or even writers. I've I've sat with Cameron Crowe before where. Uh, we have be having a conversation, and he'll be looking around a room at a restaurant, and all of a sudden he'll stop, and he'll start writing something down. I have no idea what he saw, I don't know what he heard, um, but that, that sort of living sort of one foot all within there. Um, and I, my best my best writing is kind of like that. You know, I'm driving down the street, and all of a sudden... Sure. Like, for example, Black Hole Sun, the whole song just kind of fell out of the sky when I was driving.
0: So, correction, actually, that was, which song was, were he, was he excited to play? Um, funny backstory on the actual interview itself. I was in Bryant Park um, on the phone with him, connected, and, uh, you know, that's why you hear some, some different things in the background there. So, the next question was, you know, are there any songs that he is afraid to play live?
1: I, I, think
3: that, I think that there are some songs that are just going n- to blow the roof off in that context without having anyone heard it. I just know they will. And, and part of that is because I've, I've just made up songs on the spot that could do that. Um, and then it, there are songs where I'm not sure. And the, and the reason why I'm not sure is because uh, the big picture is that. I've been playing songs that people have heard in the context of a band and in the context of them being sort of electric rock songs, and when they're pared down to just a guy and an acoustic guitar singing, there is a certain amount of novelty to that approach. There, there, there there is this sort of element of wow! I'm listening to this song in a completely different context, and I really like it. And that's a Mm talking point. It's a you know, it's. It's, uh, it's a curiosity, sure. and if, if it's a song you've never heard, A, B, it's a song that is the opposite, really. If you have heard it, you're hearing a song that was written and arranged to be an acoustic song first, and that's how it's being presented, so you're sort of losing that curiosity. Therefore, it has to kind of, it has to kind of uh, work simply on the merits of the song and that, that came in I think you know as a factor in my mind when I was writing the songs and that singer-songwriters really have their work cut out for them because every turn of every phrase has to connect to the next one um, you can't You can't get away with a lot of the stuff that I've done for years with with psychedelic rock music, which is having the kind of verbal landscapes and word painting Mm -hmm. that make it sort of colorful but aren't necessarily a narrative that the listener can immediately connect to their life. It tends to be more um, a, a narrative that people sort of create images in their mind of and creates create an atmosphere in their imagination and then it becomes something that is very meaningful to them later. But in the world of singer-songwriter, you kind of have to drop, you have to drop on every verse something where the listener is saying, yeah, oh yeah, and creating an image and a picture in their mind that they've seen before. It might not be the same as yours, but it's relatable. And, and so there was a there was a little bit of a new approach to writing lyrics that I had to concentrate on and sort of develop a little bit. I've done it in the past, but when I did do it in the past, like my own Hunger Strike, for example, uh, or wooden cheese, they just kind of came out that way, you know, and, and yeah. I, I recognize the time, but by the same token, um, you know, I wrote but at the same time, getting a load of heaven, which is this uh, complete fictional uh, astralized sea, you know, in an environment that you can't really relate to now and here. It's the person that I know intimately, but no one else knows about, you know. So it was a different world. And
0: then we went into uh, writing solo versus writing for Soundgarden. It, it sounds. It sounds like you have uh, almost uh, a different mind, a mental space when writing the different songs. Is one of my questions was, you know, when you're writing and you're talking about the inspiration moment, you know, that 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 moment on the street, do you immediately peg something as this is a, this is going to be a great Soundgarden song, or oh, I need I need to call Tom Morello right now, and, and we need we need to bring Audio slate back just for this particular song, or or this is this is a singer songwriter, or or is that something you kind of figure out, you know, as you then take it from that moment of inspiration into actually recording.
3: Well, I think there's a subconscious thing that's going on all the time, and, and you know, there's like a left brain administrator that does inform the right brain to some degree. Um, in in, in terms of what's going on in the real world, just so you know, here's the memo. And and that occurred to me because I had written a lot of music since Soundgarden, for example, but I, I was starting to do these acoustic tours. Um, and then <laughs> Soundgarden reformed, and we were talking about doing all kinds of different things, but the thing that I was pretty sure we were going to do is make an album. And I was uh, in a room rehearsing acoustic songs for, for one of the songbook tours, and all of a sudden I'm, I'm in between songs, and I'm getting bored I'm rehearsing, I start playing music. Rips on the acoustic guitar. And as they were coming up, I was recording one of my computer real quick. And two or three of them became new Soundgarden songs. And the fact that I wasn't really doing that before, I knew that that was something that was possibly coming up. All those years, I wasn't sitting around writing songs that could have been Soundgarden songs, that just wasn't coming out. And then all of a sudden, it was coming out simultaneously with the notion that it was possible and it was something I was probably going to do. So that was kind of weird to me. You know, the, I like specifically for Soundgarden, when I running for Soundgarden, and that, that can mean a lot of stuff. If you listen to King Animal, or Down on the Upside, or Super Unknown, um, even though this is a rock band, uh, we cover a tremendous amount of territory in terms of musical styles and, yep. and influences. Mm-hmm. Um, and yet, I avoided anything that really fit into that world, um, purposely from morning morning on. So it was almost like the left brain, uh, just informing the right brain that, you know, open, open this window now because this is coming. And, um, and it, it to work without me having to actually do much thought. I didn't have to wake up one morning and set up the guitars different, differently in the room and then change my thought process to writing sound art songs. It just sort of did its thing by itself, which I I'm one of those guys that I I have pretty much try not to um, overanalyze it when things like that are working I'm not sure that it, I'm having an understanding of how it works. It helps
0: it work better. I feel like maybe as long yeah. as it
3: is working, it's better to just kind of let
0: it work. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. That was Chris Cornell from Soundgarden. Coming up next, we're we'll gonna do a little uh, roundabout. I'm gonna take your uh, calls. We're gonna do some feedback. I'm gonna talk about everything we talked about today and uh, wrap this thing up. Put a bow on it. All right. This is Michael Dolce, your brand new radio host on talkradio.nyc. I've been professionally writing and drawing comic books, screenplays, and music articles for over 15 years. Catch my new show, Secrets of the Sire, Fridays at 11 a.m. and get the inside scoop on the pop culture universe you love to talk about. For more info, go to secretsofthesire.com right now.
3: talkingalternative.com
0: Segment of the day here, I'm joined by Joan Pelzer from 21st Century Entrepreneur. The show that's coming on right next after ours. It's great because we know each other. We've uh, networked together. We've been uh, at different events and stuff, and uh, it's great. And we have a lot in common. We got to do some more uh, sit downs and. Uh And learn how to explore Why don't you give our our audience A little bit of taste Of what's coming up On your show
2: You betcha So today We are talking all about business Again on 21st Century Entrepreneur And you and I Have actually worked together Which is kind of fun We worked for about A month together (laughs) You owe me uh,
0: (laughs) I I bought you a couple drinks For that one You did
2: You did That was You know what though It gave us a chance To get to know each other Yeah Working together And we know we do it well Yeah So we got to continue that But this is so exciting to me That now there's a show Right before us There's a show right after us Tony Margeat, Martinetti I say his name wrong all the time and yet I'm Italian how do I say his name wrong well
0: you, you gotta it, it, you gotta use more hands see that's and when the I did the
2: hands I could say it so he talks about nonprofits, yeah. and that's gonna be really cool awesome. and um, we've got the business and you've got some fun and everything else thrown in there and I love Absolutely. your show so far thank you very much I was listening much. on my way here
0: uh, I got one comment that I need more cowbell more we we need more bell. cowbell. We need more cowbell. Okay. Actually, it's funny. The uh, the comment was more geared toward the, uh, the Soundgarden interview. Now, the, the Soundgarden oh, interview was yeah. actually a funny thing, though, because... I was in, like I said, I was in I was in Bryant Park um, when I was giving, you know, when I actually got the time to speak okay. to Chris. Yeah. And um, just as I'm about, I got a nice quiet spot. I literally was staking out a spot. Of course you were. That, as, as like quiet and as peaceful as possible. And I found one and it was great. It was in the shade. It was, it was, it was like during that, during that, um. You know, Indian summer we had in October, and it was just mm-hmm. terrible. Um, and then just as he calls up, and just as the publicist connects us, like five kids just start running behind me. So you can actually hear whoa, that. Oh, that's funny. So in the podcast on Monday, when I when I uh, deliver the podcast, you can go to talkingalternative.com, talkradio.nyc, or secretsofthesire.com. That's S I R E. Uh, you can get the podcast on Monday. And you can hear, if you listen to the interview again, you'll hear just a bunch of kids. And you might think those are Chris's kids, but no, there are just some random children that I decided to jump up and down and run I around it. right That's behind awesome. us. So, yeah, so That's it was, so cool. It was kind of cool. So we have some Periscope followers. That's the one thing um, I'd love to get to. We, have, we keep getting an intermittent number of people, but it's always the same. And then there's people join and people are leave. Are you getting hearts? I oh, I got a couple I got some hearts I got a couple they hearts. Like you. I got a couple hearts, yeah. There you go. Yeah. I'm well, not I'm sure I'm not sure what it was for though. I'm not sure. Because
2: they like you.
0: I don't know. And your first they show, they want to support
2: do. you and love you <laughs> and give you the love. I'm going to tweet you very too. possible. Good. And I got to start doing some periscope. Nobody can see because you've got it in the arm, but maybe if you turn around the periscope and show them the arm that you've got this uh your iPhone sitting in, it's kind of cool. Good All technology. Right. We'll I kind of like here. it.
0: There now this is this is actually boring radio because this is visual.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I know for the radio. Well, that means they're going to have to also now follow you on Twitter and Periscope. I, I so agree. It's they should be, like anyway. they exactly. should be doing this I anyway. They should be doing this so. anyway. I, I
0: release very very funny anecdotes. You do. No, I.
2: You're know, a funny, funny guy. They're okay. You are, they're and it's right. funny. This is cool for me because I'm learning more about you as we go along. There you go. And you are an amazing artist. I, do. I know you drew your own logo for the show. Oh yeah. Well, so actually, wait. No, 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 no. I take that back. You the did logo not?
0: is not my. No, no. Oh. That is from Ricky Purden. Okay. Um, he is. He works in the comic book industry. I used to work with him in, at Wizard. And for my book, The Sire, he would do the comic book a um, little little strip at the end of the book, oh, cool. and it was called Secrets of the Sire. Uh-huh. I'll tweet that out a little later. It Taking a picture uh, while you talk. Oh, uh, that's to okay. Me. That's okay. I'm very photogenic. You are um the um the secrets of the sire was a was a one page comic strip where I you know he actually made me as the star which was kind of neat and I like cool that. and um and did he would he just name do, you
2: what did he name you it was just me and he it would be just, just me
0: talking about okay, cool. uh, he had a comic strip in um on the wizard website okay. years ago and uh, and it was it was just it was fun. It was awesome. And I loved the artwork and I loved the energy. And, and I was like, you know what? Let's um, let's do something. And, uh, and so for the six issues, if you if you pick up the uh, sire one through six, but I'll tweet out some of them later. Yeah. Please um, so do. you guys can check it out. And the wisdom. See yeah. No, wisdom it's cool of stuff. The sire. So that is the logo from the comic strip. And uh, it's just perfect. And that's very kinda, cool. Kinda you are a talented a artist, though. I am. sort you of. Are.
2: And and we're gonna <laughs> you're gonna take a stab at doing a new uh, logo for us. That's right, for 21st century entrepreneur. That's we're all right. gonna be. Like, this is gonna be like a very yeah helpful group yeah, at I talking agree. alternative. I agree. I think we're all gonna really become a, an a really embraced community yeah, I love to, it talk
0: to me about your uh you were an actress in New York City for a while I still am I ah, still do um, ah, I still go. do
2: some commercials here and there I'd love to do more theater but I really don't have time I'm trying to build my business yeah help make it sustainable and mm-hmm. help the people around me make money with me uh-huh. and that's what I'm all about in fact I, I talked to someone yesterday who's in Vegas we may partner up to do some social media and some yeah, other things cool. for him and I said it's all about a partnership yeah so yeah the acting is great though I've produced a lot of theater uh um, I have a theater company with uh, Tony Sportiello and Sharon uh, Francis Osowski, and um, my bestie kelly mcguire who should be listening right now she's home tweeting for me
0: what's your take on oscars so white you to know it's ta- funny because i saw all, to exactly. loop it all in to loop it all in. Well, See and i'm doing some social media for sam to.
2: at talking alternative so we we retweeted some stuff you wrote and we retweeted yeah. a post uh the front cover of the post um it, i think it's a challenge frankly right now mm-hmm. and i think there's a lot of deserving folks that are not getting nominated and i i I can't say Th- that's that. That's a good why good question, or not why.
0: That's a good question. So, you know, I was listening to the Michael K show. Um, I love the Michael K show, and he mm-hmm. asked Spike Lee. He said, "You know, what actors or actresses didn't get nominated that you would have should have?" Now, a Will Smith right. comes to mind. Straight out of Compton, obviously comes to mind. Will
2: Smith to me was a big snub. I don't like that he didn't get nominated. I think there was a reason for that because of the whole football
0: theme. I don't know. Uh, that's you know my what? thought on that's it. That's actually a great point, right? though. The power of the NFL. So was it, is it is it racism or is it the power of the NFL? Could be,
2: right? Because he that, said he's gotten some... Him. He was yeah. in an interview, said that's not yeah. such a great thing right now. I know you're about to wrap up. I don't want to take all your yeah. steam at the end of your very first show, but yay, Mike. Congratulations. Thank you very Welcome much, Welcome to the family at Talking Alternative.
0: Thank you very much. Very and uh, for everybody uh, tuning in to my show, um, stick around is immediately after Joan and uh, JC Maldonado host 21st Century Entrepreneur um, I might stick around for a few more minutes as well, too. You so. will. You'll be on our well, I'll be too. sticking around here, definitely. All right, Periscope people, I just, lost, I just saw something go by, but uh, if you have any questions or anything like that, hit me up. If not, we'll go to a last comment here. Um, I hope this recent uproar about diversity in the Oscar nominations helps crack or break the movie formula glass ceiling. It's a really good point, the movie formula. The people actually making the movie... Uh, or making the movies, I should say. They're the ones that, you know, lead up to this stuff. Whoopi Goldberg, I just recently read a quote saying, where was this talk six months ago when the movies itself weren't being made? I think that's actually a really good point in this uh, this year's nominations as well, too. I don't think the movies were really being made um, that, that kind of support that. Whereas TV, TV's like a golden, it's like a golden age of television these days. Or listening. a golden age of, of storytelling, I yep. should say. Because um, the TV, you know, you have... Plenty of, I mean, Empire is the biggest thing out there.
2: Empire is amazing. It's huge.
0: It's huge. You have female-driven, um, you know, shows. You have, you know, all these things that are great. Um, so we'll see what happens. We'll see what happens in the movies. Well, i
2: sure you'll be talking about it.
0: I will definitely be talking about Excellent. it next week. We'll be talking about something a little more fun. We're talking about the superhero movies you are excited about in 2016. I go through why I'm actually sick of them, and why I think Deadpool is going to flop. So tune into Secrets of the Sire next week 11 a.m. Eastern uh, you can catch us again secrets of the the podcast for this show will be on the website Monday the uh, new blog will be launched Wednesday and then Friday 11 a.m. Eastern assuming there's no snow or the fact that my wife is pregnant and could give birth at any day now uh, that's about the only thing that will keep me from coming here I actually still might I still might I might actually ask my wife you know while she's in labor I, like I, I, I got I gotta just run down. Just, just give me like two hours Just give me two hours
2: Why don't you just do it live from the hospital
0: <laughs> I will be a call into my own show Hey guys this has been a lot of fun Thank you guys Thank you audience out there Most especially for tuning in um, Keep spreading the word And um, that's pretty much it I got a great comment from uh, Periscope Which I won't I won't air But um, <laughs> thank you very much This has been Secrets of the Sire And uh, check us out next week
1: ding 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 ding
2: You are listening to the Talking Alternative
1: Network.
0: Are you into comics, movies, and pop culture at large? What about music and storytelling? Then you're in for a treat. This is Michael Dolce, your brand new radio host on talkradio.nyc. I've been professionally writing and drawing comic books, screenplays, and music articles for over 15 years. Catch my new show, Secrets of the Sire, Fridays at 11 a.m., and get the inside scoop on the pop culture universe you love to talk about. For more info, go to secretsofthesire.com right now.
1: Hey, all you crazy listeners. Looking to boost your business? Why not advertise on Talking Alternative with very reasonable rates? Interested? Simply email at info at talkingalternative.com. Talking Alternative. You're listening to The Talking Alternative Network at www.talkingalternative.com. Now broadcasting 24 hours a day. Talking Alternative. Are you on a path of consciousness or spirit? Is personal or spiritual empowerment important to you? I'm Sam Liebowitz, your conscious consultant.